Welcome to today's Word of Mom Radio here on the Word of Mom Media Network. I'm your host, Dory DiCarlo, and you know I'm here week after week, show after show, breaking those myths that mompreneurs and business women, especially those of us building our businesses from home, that we're just dabbling in between fake sales and getting our nails done. We're not. We are smart, we are savvy, and we're sharing the wisdom of women in business and in life. And every once in a while, you know that a man will come on the show and I get to share another point of view. Let me share a little background about today's guest. Dick Wybrow is a best-selling author on Amazon, writing humorous supernatural novels. He's been a major market rock jock, a stand-up comedian, and a CNN producer. And he would have not been any of those things had he not had his number one cheerleader in his corner since the day he was born, Diana Wybrow, his mom. And of course, my mom heart, anybody who's giving mom that credit, grabs me. So, Nick, welcome to Word of Mom Radio. Greetings <laughs> from New Zealand, Auckland, New Zealand, where it's I'm in the future. Actually, well, I'm 18 hours ahead of you, depending on where you are in the U.S. So I am sworn to secrecy what's going to happen, but I'll let you know things are going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. I, you know, how fun is that? I love that. I When I traveled back from China, I left China at 11 a.m. on a Saturday. I wound up back in New Jersey at two o'clock on that same Saturday. And Andy McDowell and Bill Murray weren't there to make Groundhog Day funny. <laughs> so I love that I'm talking to you in the future and that it's tomorrow where you are. Time right. zone, it's just so cool. So yeah. I have to ask you, talking about your creative journey, because I would love yeah. for you to share. It's quite a path that you've had. And then what led you to take that journey to New Zealand? Uh, well, that um, the, the latter part I can get to would be the other mom of my life, not my mother, but my wife, who is a mother, a very, very strong person. And uh, I can tell you that in a bit. But yeah, I mean, I was a real shy kid, uh, born in Canada. My mother is Canadian. My father is Kiwi. And so the Kiwi white boys, as I like to say, are really reserved. They don't really express themselves. Uh, they don't show affection in the same way. It's just the nature of New Zealand men. It's just how they are. Younger ones, less so these days. And so my mother more than filled that gap. And so here I was, especially when we moved to the U.S. when I was nine years old, going to New Jersey, as you mentioned, Berkeley Heights, New Jersey. And I moved there nine years old with my Canadian accent teased by a lot of kids, but my mother was always behind me, you know, and she was always telling me, as mothers do, you know, how great I was and how nice I looked and all that. <laughs> you know? And it was the sort of thing that you needed because I didn't have any friends there. And so my mother was my best friend for many years. And I don't know, maybe some people think that's lame, but I am a self-professed and proud mama's boy. Absolutely. She is woven all through everything I did. And when I was about 18 years old, uh, I've been writing short stories and things like this. And I've been sending them out. And this is back before before the internet, way back before the internet. And when you used to send stories out, you had to send stuff like if you were sending it to Amazing Stories or something, you would send the story out with with an, uh, an SASE, a self-addressed stamped envelope. And so you had to wait six weeks for it to come back. 
And so it was a real challenge to get anybody to take a look at my writing. And I got this bizarre idea that if I wrote something that afternoon and got on stage, then I would be arguably published the moment I spoke it to a crowd. So that really inspired me to do that. And I had no real great desire. I loved comedy and always have, and humor has played a role for my entire life. But the idea of getting up on stage was not something that I was attracted to. The idea of sort of being published and sharing the stuff I'd written was. And so I didn't have a car at the time. I was just one of your lame 18-year-old boys at home. And uh, mama would drive me to uh, my stand-up shows. We'd go from, uh, I think it was, was it Crystal? Or it doesn't matter. It was a Brooklyn Center or something like this. And we'd drive into uptown Minneapolis. And she'd drive me every Tuesday night to do open mic. And I'd get up there and do my three minutes. And and she'd be there and laugh at my jokes, even the ones maybe she didn't get. Because they were just really not very good. <laughs> But then I'd come off stage and she'd be, you were great. You were, you know, you were the best one up there tonight. And it's just, it was a sort of thing that it's so, it's so important, you know, all those little bits and pieces. And I think that words like that help build a bit of a Teflon sort of subconscious or something. I don't know what it is, but it instilled me with a confidence to do things that in many ways I had, I had no business doing. I went from stand-up to radio. But when I went from radio to television, a number of people, I just got asked this earlier today, it's like, well, how, did, how did you make that transition? Because the first job I had was CNN. And no one starts at CNN, but I had that sort of like, yeah, I'm the best. And I don't mean it in sort of an ego way. It's like, I can, of course I can do this. And I think my Canadian mother instilled that in me. Like, if you put your mind to it, you can do it. And I really believe that. And I believed that. And I think somehow in that meeting, that interview, <laughs> the three people that I was interviewing with to get the job are sort of looking around. He's, he seems quite confident that he can do this job, <laughs> even though he has no television experience. But he seems to really seem to think he can do this. And I got hired. And a lot of that came, like I'm saying, from the support that I had from Mama when I was younger. It, it meant the world to me and still does to this day. I love that. And you know, it's so interesting. We had a woman on our show, Valerie Cockrell, who wrote a book called Manage Like a Mother. And one of the things that she says is how a man will go apply for a job that he really isn't qualified for at all. Whereas a woman, oh my gosh, they have to make sure that they are completely qualified. So I love that it was your mom that instilled the confidence in you to just go for it. I love that. I really do. What was it you know, like at CNN? It, it was, it was uh, eye-opening. I'll tell you that. It was eye-opening because you, you saw sort of saw how the sausage was made, right? Everything behind the scenes. And whereas everything on the air seems really put together and slick, it's just screaming. <laughs> There's a lot of yelling in that country. In fact, we've sort of got a bit of a saying. So I was in, when I was at CNN, and then I did, tel I did television here. I just wrapped up a show here. I was on for seven years as a producer uh, here in New Zealand. But when I was at CNN, it looked like mission control. Um, I've got photos somewhere. Um, and I actually took my wife in there to see it. But I was in one row. There was two rows behind me, another row back there. There was a sound booth over there. No one ever saw the sound people. I don't even know if they really existed or if you weren't supposed to look at them. But so over in that booth over there, there were sound people somewhere over there making sound magic. And the screens in front of us, we had 
you know, we had lines coming in from, at the time, Baghdad. We had other lines coming in from uh, the UK, from Hong Kong, from Australia. And all of this and this entire big team. And it's funny, now you mention it. One of the critiques that I got from my bosses, um, because I was a line producer, so I would call the show and I would talk to, like, the last one was Don Lemon. I'd be talking to him in his ear and this sort of thing. One of the critiques I got was that I wasn't urgent enough. I wasn't urgent enough. And that was code for. I didn't yell at people. And that was, I can say that fairly now, that was the culture at CNN. Then in that control booth, you just just dug into people. But I grew up with a Canadian mother. That's not how it got people to do stuff. We don't yell at people. And people liked working with me. People liked working for me because I had an environment of calm. And it was that was an outlier at CNN because it was chaos when people walked in. People would come in. Are they having a show? Are they doing a show now? <laughs> Why is nobody yelling? You know, but that's the environment I want. And whereas my superiors saw that as a negative, everybody I worked with and for um, around me, um, they they loved that environment. And And again, that came from a Canadian mother that really saw the consideration of other people and this idea of empowering other people. I can tell you, go do this, do this, make this happen. But if I instead get you invested in the product, if I get you invested in this thing being as great as we can all make it, you'll do it yourself. Or you'll look to me and say, what do I need to do? I'll say, I'm thinking this, this, and this. And I found in all the years, 20 years of producing television, getting other people on board with this vision rather than forcing it down into them, that that turned out an amazing product and we had top shows all over the world. So, and again, I credit that idea with my mother. That's sort of that soft, not weak. Is it, you know, it, you know, what's, what's the old line about don't mistake my kindness for weakness. It, it was kindness, but it wasn't weakness <laughs> um, because there's fierceness behind that. And I'm fiercely passionate about making it happen. I just don't think you need to do it in a way that you're putting other people down or attacking other folks. And so that, uh, so I had a, great, a lot of fun with that. I had a great success with that. Uh, and then and then it was about uh, 10 or 11 years ago or so, I was kind of tired of the environment. As I said, it was pretty punching and negative and, and news almost all the time is quite negative. <laughs> so I was getting kind of tired of it. And we were thinking about moving, my wife and I were thinking about moving to uh, Colorado. And then eventually we were talking about you know, maybe retiring in New Zealand. And I saw somewhere that I was because I had a Kiwi father. I was a citizen by descent. And I said, it looks like I'm a citizen now because, you know, immigration into New Zealand is a little bit difficult. And uh, my wife, Tiffany, goes, what are we doing here? And uh, that was October. And by January, we were in New Zealand starting a new life. I love that. I really do. I am somebody who I'm home wherever I am. And so I'm continually on the road. I care give for people. I, I just, I was joking the last five and a half weeks at the 2,700 miles on my car. That's a lot of miles. Just going back and forth, <laughs> yeah. helping, and then getting in time with my grandkids. You know, mom, want to come up right. for dinner? Absolutely. I'll drive 100 miles to come back to have dinner. <laughs> drive 100 miles back. I don't care. You know, right. it's the life on the road and the portable life. And I, I love that. So it's so funny because... In just looking at you and just your nature and the vibe you give off, you just seem so lovely. What oh, stand-up comedy and a rock jock. I mean, yeah. those are kind of CNN, really brutal professions. And I, I credit you a lot that did not plow you under. And and it's funny because as you say brutal and the word you're looking for, I'll be honest, and I'm not pandering, is masculine. 
um, the meanness from CNN, the meanness in rock radio, the meanness even in stand-up comedy, a lot of that is generated from this, and it doesn't have to be men, but sort of this masculine attack style. Like, I'm going to take over, we'll do things my way. And I found, and I could I could be that kind of person, not something I, you know that I enjoyed or really did much of, but I always found far more success with... <laughs> with gathering more people toward me in kind of a motherly way, I suppose. I had people that used to call me mother at another show because I was somebody who supported other, you know, if a younger person came in, you know, making sure that they got up to speed. And when I first got in there, you're on your own, man. <laughs> they would throw you in the deep end and let you swim or sink. But I always found that uh, for one, it was good for the show. Take a couple, just you know, a couple of days or whatever it might be. Hook them up with somebody else, a big brother or sister, you might call it, and help them uh, lift. But that also, as I mentioned before, that gets them really invested in the particular product. And the, and the more it felt like, and we use this word a lot in corporate world, and and I actually don't like it very much. But the more it felt like a family, I always felt that the better off you were. If people were only worried about ratings, or if they're only worried about you know just making sure they got paid or paid extra for um, you know the extra work they did, which they should be, of course, and we did. But if they were sort of felt like. If you started to, because when you sort of feel a bit of a family environment, when you start to slack a bit, it's it's affecting everybody else around you, right? So if you're not doing the work you need to do, I means somebody else in the family has to pick that up. And I and I felt that um, people stepped up in that instance because they didn't want to put pressures on other people on the team. I love that. What a great place to take a quick break. Really think about what Dick just said about that, because that works across any kind of business. So just think about that for a moment. We're going to say thank you to our sponsors, and we'll be back here in just a moment on Word of Mom Radio. She is brave. She is bold. She is you. And we want to tell your story. Are you ready to share your journey with us on Word of Mom Radio? Go to wordofmomradio.com and register as a guest. We want to tell your story because when you win, we all win. In 2017, Unsilenced Voices was formed to help survivors of domestic abuse and gender-based violence worldwide. The organization currently serves Sierra Leone, Rwanda, Ghana, and the USA. In 2022, Unsilenced Voices gifted over $33,000 to survivors in the USA. And in Sierra Leone, there are over 26 young girls who have been rescued from sex trafficking and domestic abuse and now going through vocational training school in order to better their lives. We need your help. Donations are critical in order for us to continue our work. We also need volunteers to help with research and development. Please visit unsilencedvoices.org for more information. Don't let the name fool you. Stadiumbags.com is not just for sports fans. Our clear bags make it easier for you to get into any venue that you go to. And in today's world where we are so concerned about germs, the materials that our bags are made with are strong enough to stand up to the solvents that you can use to clean your bag 
so you know you come home safely. Check out stadiumbags.com. You'll see why we are the clear choice, because safety, it's in the bag. And we're back here on Word of Mom Radio. We're talking with Dick Wybrow. I really, I'm so enjoying this conversation. I really am, because very often, whomever is leading the team, male or female, that, that, you know, drive and I think it's important that people feel like they're in a family. I think that when you feel like somebody's got your back and that if something happens and you drop the ball, that somebody's going to be right there to pick it up. And you've got to instill that in the people that you're working with. So I really applaud you for that. Thank you. you know, it's so funny because in reading all your information that you're an introvert. And again, as we were talking 100%. earlier, you're Canadian, so you're kind and a little yeah. more quiet and stuff. Yeah. So I'd love to talk about your family life and being married to that stronger extroverted woman. Yeah. My my wife is <laughs> she she is the alpha of, of the family and I admit that she she is uh, powerful and 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 that was it's funny because the people that meet me because I'm pretty chilled out, you know, I'm a little more, you know, up at the moment, but I'm, I do have narcolepsy. And so a lot of times I'll sort of dip a bit and I'll be kind of tired to stare off in a distance, but <laughs> the narcolepsy, but my wife can command a room. She walks in and she owns the place and she's great. I was talking about this uh, to somebody just the other week. We had Thanksgiving here in New Zealand, which is pretty neat because obviously they don't do Thanksgiving in New Zealand. And so we invite my Kiwi family. We invite, uh, we invite some of the neighbors and you should see how she does this place up. It, this is her territory. I have in New Zealand, they carpet the garages. It's a big thing for them uh, to make an extra room. So all the garages have carpeting. So my office is about one quarter of our two car garage and the rest of this space, including the house, that's, that's all hers. <laughs> that's her zone. Uh, although she does come by and say, oh, the mess, because it looks nice and clean for you are, but there's stuff scattered around here. She doesn't say too much about it, but she does give me a bit of a frowny face. Like, oh, I guess I should probably pick up some of the recycling around here at some point. But she's great, you know, and her style, because she's very supportive, but in a different way. She she doesn't read my books. She'll watch some of these interviews. So, hi, sweetheart. She uh, she'll She'll watch this. But she's not one to overly lavish praise. But that's perfect at this stage of my life. I've got that with mama. And so with her, she in a loving way, because when the critiques come from somebody that you love or the critiques come from a good place, then you know that there is merit to it. And so she'll say something like, well, your collar wasn't right there or your hair was kind of flopping in your face. And she doesn't mean it in a mean way, but she she can tell me anything. And I love that she doesn't have a governor with me that she'll just flat out say what's on her mind because she's Texas born, grew up in Alabama. She's going to say what's on her mind. <laughs> and she she freaks out some of the New Zealanders in this country, that's for sure, because they're quite sort of, you know, to them, quiet folks for the most part. And she comes in like a bull in a china shop, but she's great. And the thing is too, it's like, you you know, you have heard this in, in other uh, relationships. She can kind of nitpick at me a little bit on occasion. And she's right uh, in many of these instances, but if anybody were to take one sideways glance at me, you got to step back because she's coming. She's coming at you. <laughs> like, I don't know how many times every now and then is the nature of the industry when you're writing, you know, because I've written a book that's um, it's a reverse werewolf book. It's about a wolf who gets bitten, turns into a human. And then when the moon comes out, he turns into either a dog or a werewolf. 
It's a strange story. I admit it. But every now and then I'll get a negative comment on, on a review and she wants to tear into them. <laughs> or somebody will say something on social media. Say, Sweetheart, don't, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It doesn't bother me. But they said this. It's, like, it's totally okay. It comes with the territory. She's fierce. She's ready to attack. Uh, but she is, uh, she lifts me up. She's great. Uh, I love her to death and I'm lucky to have her. I can see that. I wish you could see. I wish this was not just an audio that people are going to hear the podcast because just your face when you talk about her. Oh my gosh, it's lovely. See, my mom heart gets that, you know, <laughs> it makes me so happy. It's the way my sons talk about their wives and yeah. their kids. And I see that little glow and, and, you know, that's as a mom, it's what you want to see. And you also want that person who is secure enough that isn't going to step on his wife's toes because she can be powerful and strong. It takes a lot for a man. And I'm going to throw in there, I mean, you know, let's face it, you were talking about getting teased at the kid and your name is dick yes i grew up in the bronx i mean you know <laughs> yeah how did you that had to come on that had to so, really get you people had to dig that all the time so here here's what's funny too and this goes right back to diane wire my mama in my father's family because i was born in 69 and so you know the sort of the male led in some of these families every wybrow had been john for generations john 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 they all had different middle names so there wasn't any john the junior john whatever uh but my mother decided at a young age when she was a teenager that her child was going to be her boy was going to be named richard i think after richard the lionhearted and i'm not exactly sure why but she decided that she wanted to be uh, called richard and so when they were having me my father of course was like well he's going to be john all the men in our family are john she's like no. <laughs> Even as a Canadian mother, she's like, no, he's Richard. And so one of the first people to call me Dick was my father. <laughs> but I, I think that's maybe just didn't like me. I don't really know. But now I wear it as almost like a, a badge of, you know, courage. I know what that entails. I know what that means. And when I meet people, so they say, what's your name? Like in New Zealand, oh, it's Dick Wybrow. And they look at me like, I wonder if he knows. It's like, yeah, I, I <laughs> Yeah, I've been, I've been dealing with this for 54 years. I absolutely know. But for me, it's almost it's a little bit of a power shift in a way. You know, you think you've got that on me because you think that it's goofy. But I already embraced the goofy. I'm putting both arms around the goofy. My mama came up with that name. I'm proud of it. So I'm happy to have it. You know what? I'm sorry. Your dad calling you Dick is like a boy named Sue. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Yeah. That's yeah. actually what made me think of. That's yeah. what make you tough, boy. <laughs> yeah. It you know what it kind it kind of did too because the same thing you know because it sort of left the door wide open for people thinking that they were the first people to realize that in my life and it's like I have so I have so much defense against this I mean to be honest if I would have been called John I would have been named after a toilet so it would have been that much better anyhow see so, perspective yeah. perspective yeah. it's all perspective. Sure. So I have right. to ask you, because my mom was a supernatural, loved sci-fi and everything else. Right. What a cool premise that a wolf gets bit and it turns him into a human. What made right. you go into creating stories and creating something like that? It's kind of cool. I credit some of that, to be honest, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier, to the narcolepsy. Because do you know, <clears throat> do you know that moment where you're lying down going to sleep? And you're sort of just about to fall asleep and you get some amazing idea. You're like, that is, I gotta, 
I got to write that down. No, no problem. I'm not, I'm not, I don't need to write that down. I'll remember in the morning. And, and then you don't remember in the morning. You don't remember it whatsoever. So that state that you're in, that creative state, I'm in that state about 80, 85% of the day with narcolepsy. I'm in this sort of like, you know, even speaking with you now, I've got to be, I've got to focus directly at you. I've got to make sure I stay here because my mind will just go off over into these different places all the time. So through the news industry, the impetus of it is there's an adage in news, and I've been doing news up until this past week. I've been doing news for 20 years. Dog bites man, that's not a story. But man bites dog, that is a story because it's unusual. And so I was actually doing another book about the news industry, uh, another thriller, and that little line got into my subconscious and it burrowed itself in there. Man bites dog, man bites dog. And I was, and it just started through a combination of <laughs> probably the narcolepsy and the subconscious power. It kind of came up with this idea. Well, what if that was a story and what if, what would that look like? And so I turned the dog into a wolf and basically becomes kind of a reverse werewolf story. So he turns into, he, the next day he wakes up as like this 15 year old or a teenage boy and this lovely couple takes him in which i explain in the story and over the next year he he grows 10 years so he becomes a six foot seven french canadian <laughs> which is fun but the problem with him and i don't want to talk too much about the story but i do think it's kind of funny the problem is since he was a wolf he has a difficult time reading because it doesn't make sense doesn't fit into his world and driving and so he meets imelda and imelda is what you might call a part-time criminal uh, and so she did a bit of getaway driving, so she becomes his driver. Uh, and But as the story comes together, these two people that don't quite fit into the world find that as they sort of team up and try and find a, for a way to get him back to his pack and return to become a wolf, as they go down this path together, sort of nurturing each other, that they are, they fit in. Like they fit in sort of for the first time. And so it's not a romance story. They're just friends. They're found family, you might call it, or how's, uh, how they call it, uh, their pack of two. And so that all that I think comes from being in that narcoleptic dreamlike state, because I think if I wasn't, some part of me would have said like, that is a stupid idea. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do that. And my narcoleptic brain goes like, yeah, let's do that. That sounds like, that sounds like we, something we should do. And so far, people seem to like it, which I love. Well, I read that it to you, it's a superpower, the narcolepsy. Yes. And now I can see why. <clears throat> yep. When I first was diagnosed with it, um, and I wasn't even going in to get diagnosed. Uh, I went in, I was married to another person many years ago. It's so like 30 years ago, she went in because she thought she might have narcolepsy. I'll never forget it. I was leaning against the door jam. And, you know, when the questions were asked of me to help support her case or whatever it might be, I would chime in. And so for whatever reason, the doctor goes, I don't think you have narcolepsy, but I think he might. And I went, what? And I don't know what it was, the way I was standing, the way I was speaking. I don't know what it was. And so sure enough, they put me in and I did the overnight thing where they put all the things on your face and then they watch you sleep. Uh, which nowadays you have to watch somebody sleep. I think you have to pay for that. So <laughs> I probably should have charged them. <laughs> but uh, they sat and watched you sleep and they wake me up every hour and kind of do a quick quiz, then go back to sleep or attempt to go back to sleep. And then when I was diagnosed, the the one positive thing about getting any diagnosis, and you'll hear that from a lot of different people, is at least now I have a name for it. When I was a kid, my father used to say, oh, he's going through growth spurts, which was funny because I was very short. But I would sleep all the time. But now I had a name for it. The reason I'm tired is because I have narcolepsy. And in the first couple of years of that, I was kind of negative about it. But then I started to realize that with the narcolepsy, it did give me this 
broad sort of perception of reality. And so now I absolutely see it as a superpower. And I do not think I would be the creative I am today without narcolepsy. So I'm thankful for it, even though I'm tired all the time. See, everybody has whatever challenge they have. And you can take it and say, well, now I can't do this. For you, it became a superpower. I think it's kind of remarkable and a great way to wrap up this conversation. So as we are closing out, Dick, what would you like to leave our listeners with and how may they reach out to you? I, I guess I've been talking about being on the radio, being on stand-up comedy or somebody who writes books. And that's a lot about here, listen to me, here, pay attention to me. And I would say that one of the greatest gifts you can give somebody else is by listening to them. So I do my best in our home for the most part. When when my wife is talking with me, I listen to her and she's, you know, she has long days and she's speaking to me. You listen to somebody and don't wait for their lips to stop moving so you can get your thing in. If you're at a party or if you're at a work event or something, if you want to be considered a great conversationalist, you say about a dozen words, 20 words. And I don't mean be quiet. I mean, actually just actively listen to somebody and ask questions. And they will come away from that conversation. The one you only said a couple dozen words in, they'll come away and go like, that man is an amazing conversationalist. <laughs> because you're listening and you're being engaged with them. So I would say for somebody who speaks a lot of times for a living, one of the greatest things I can do is shut my mouth and listen to other people. And it's extremely rewarding for me to learn about other folks, but it's also listening to somebody else is lifting them up. And they get a chance to express themselves because we just don't listen to each other enough anymore. And and giving that gift to somebody is giving that gift to you. Wow. Thank you for that. Who's your thought? Chew on it a little bit. It's important. 100%. So how can people find you, Dick? I'm on Amazon. You can go to Amazon and just search my name out uh, to find the stuff or just go to my website. It's just my name.com like everybody's got. And you can reach out to me there or take a look at some of the books I have on offer and uh, an audiobook that's coming out this month as well. So you can check that out. If you if you don't read, check out the audiobook. It's fun. I've got amazing narrators. They're really, really cool. Oh, awesome. All of Dick's links are going to be live on wordofmomradio.com. So I encourage you to reach out. I really do. And I want to thank you so much for coming and sharing your journey. And please give your mom my best. Tell her, nice job. Bravo. (laughs) I'll tell her that. She'll love that. Thank you so much. What a way to end 2023. To all of our fabulous listeners, thank you for making Word of Mom Radio part of your podcast. Listening pleasures. To all of our wonderful hosts on Word of Mom Radio, ladies, I could not do it without you. So Erin Prather Stafford, Tonya Torellis, Jeanette Paxia, Dr. Crystal Morrison, Teresa Chase, Linda Cherry, and all of the amazing women that have been part of this growth. My love and thanks to all of you, to Smith Sisters and the Sunday Drivers. We love our theme song and thank you so much for it. And that's how we are going to close out this show and 2023. So till next year, this is Dory DiCarlo saying, go out and create a marvelous you. Bye for now. She is sure, she is sure, she is strong, she is strong, she is true, she is true. She is brave, she is brave, she is bold, she is bold, she is you, she is you, she is you, she is you. She is sure, she is sure, she is strong, she is strong, she is true, she is true. She is brave, she is brave, she is bold, she is bold, she is you, she is you, she is you, she is you. Sure of herself, yeah, she takes care of biz, powerful and strong. She knows who she is, has integrity, woman strong.
team for 